1: bet the board What do you mean you don't bet? I mean I don't bet. You know I don't yeah, I don't I never bet. have and I never will. Yeah, right. I will bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. You owe me 15 grand,
0: pal. Pay him. Pay that man his money. It's the bet
2: the board podcast.
0: God likes me. He really, really likes me. In the end,
2: I wound up right back where I started. I could still pick winners. And I could still make money for all kinds of people back home. And why mess up a good thing? Here's Pain Insider and Todd Furman.
1: Welcome into a busy bet the board NFL week six Monday night football edition podcast powered by bet online plenty of interesting results from the Sunday that was in the National Football League of course a preview of tonight's Eagles Giants showdown coming on later in this podcast. Mr. Payne have you rested and recovered uh, with a few hours of sleep after last night's festivities.
2: Yep, got a great night's sleep all as well. Saturday, not so great. Square peg, round hole. But Sunday, uh, NFL action worked out pretty good for us.
1: College football continues to be a, a bit of a challenge. Thankfully for a lot of the loyal Bet the Board listeners, they aren't exposed to some of those college football <laughs> gems we found ourselves on in recent weeks. Of course, the man on the other end of the line, if you're not already following him on Twitter, I encourage you to do so at Pain Insider. I'm your host, at Todd Furman. You can follow me on Twitter by that same name. And remember, sign up for this podcast, SoundCloud, iTunes, or visit us at Toddstake.com. And Payne, rather than waste any time, let's get into the teams that impressed and or disappointed us so far in week six.
2: Continuing the glass half-full kind of guy I am. I'm proud of you, buddy. I'm
1: I'm (laughs) proud of you that you've become this optimistic ray of light each and every week on this podcast.
2: Clearly an obvious choice, my Miami Dolphins uh, game that we talked about on this podcast, told you to get on there. Uh, But how they looked and how they achieved it was impressive to me. The key here is, is it just a one-game max energy effort explosion, or is this the path they will take? They're more balanced, and this is just like they were a year ago. And one interesting nugget that I had coming into this game, all we heard was they could not run the ball. But when you really looked at it, they were averaging 4.3 yards per carry it was eighth in the NFL. They just chose not to run it. Um, and they absolutely got back to that with Dan Campbell this week. The offensive line is the same offensive line they had a year ago that allowed Lamar Miller to run for 1,100 yards. Um, and the key here was they got pressure on the quarterback. I believe they had just one sack all season. They got six this game. Cam Wake hamstring uh, looked to be healthy. He was able to set the edge a little bit. Uh, so that's going to be a key moving forward. They got the fast start first touchdown in the first quarter this season so that was uh that was huge for them
1: question pain since you watched every snap in that game and I kind of watched it here and there uh what was your takeaway from the Titans and their performance of course the big story the Titans saying a little bit of a dirty hit on Marcus Mariota I'm sure you have your own thoughts and opinions on that particular incident
2: uh it definitely was not a a hit that you like to see uh that being said uh, I think Vernon caught himself in a kind of weird situation with a double spin move. He was headed to the ground as it was, and kind of where he landed was a tough spot. Um I haven't seen anything dirty out of him in in years past. I know he's definitely playing with a chip on his shoulder in a contract year, especially after week one when he got leg whipped. Um, So it's definitely a tough dynamic there. But uh, I guess to put a bow tie on the Dolphins, one thing that I like to see was not just so much what happened on the field, but what happened in the locker room this week. A lot of the player quotes already, they had life. Uh, They had fun playing the game they loved this week. It was easy to go out there and play for a guy that you love and you don't want to let down a guy that has been in our shoes before. um, And we'll see if that kind of carries forward with Dan Campbell and the Miami Dolphins.
1: And Miami, of course, will be a team that we discuss in greater detail, not only later on this podcast as far as how oddsmakers have adjusted their upcoming game with the Houston Texans, but something that I'm sure will break down even further when it comes to Thursday. Paint a team that I was impressed by over the weekend, and maybe I shouldn't even say a team, uh, I should say one individual. Landry Jones coming in in relief for Michael Vick. The Pittsburgh Steelers look dead and buried kind of how we expected Vick to be, having very little time to prepare for the Arizona Cardinals, uh, but Landry steps in, immediately develops a Poor with Martavis Bryant, 150-plus receiving yards for him, two touchdowns, uh, and Pittsburgh goes and er- erases a touchdown deficit at the half to getting probably one of their biggest wins of the season after only six days. And this Steelers defense, I was very critical of them and skeptical of what this unit could produce, uh, but they found a way to shut down Arizona when it comes to allowing points. The yards were there for the Cardinals, but they played that bend-but-don't-break type mentality.
2: I absolutely agree. Uh, this was... Could there have been a worse spot this week? Far and away, the worst spot of the week. You play on Monday Night Football in San Diego, so you lose a day there. You lose a full day traveling west to east. Everybody knows that if they've done it before. Uh, You have a stiff opponent in front of you. Vic goes down. Not that he's great, but... We thought Landry Jones was pretty much garbage. They gave him every opportunity in the preseason, over 200 snaps to go and be the backup quarterback, and they he couldn't do it. Um, but you nailed it. Defense has been impressive. Still some question marks in the secondary, but right now you're looking at an above-average defense um, that seems to get big stops. They'll only get better with Big Ben on the field, kind of sustaining offensive drives. Uh, it sucks. Pouncey appears to be out for the season now that his leg injury has been infected, and they're going to have to go in and and redo everything there. But uh, this is a team that's going to make a playoff push, and there's definitely um, some value in a Super Bowl future there, I think.
1: I think you bring up an interesting point. I know we tried to figure out what kind of number would be a buy point for the Steelers' futures. Actually did some nosing around myself throughout Las Vegas yesterday. Realized I was about six days too late. Steelers' future number at the Westgate Superbook, probably one of the better bargains you're going to find as far as true numbers. They took the Steelers from 40-1 to 1 before that Monday night game against the Chargers, now down to 20-1. to 1. You still think they're worth a small investment at 20-1, maybe making the case for being the second-best team in the AFC once Big Ben comes back healthy? Yeah, twenty to one.
2: Um, you know, a little tougher. I think you could probably do some shopping around there and and uh, get something potentially a little better in the offshore market. But you know, you're looking at a team that has an uphill climb to win the division. So that's what makes this one a little bit tricky. Uh, but there's definitely some value there with the Steelers, uh, even at twenty to one. Not a ton of value there, but at uh, there's still some value just because of you're looking at a division there with a team that's already six and zero. So that's that's going to make it a little bit tougher.
1: And those two teams, of course, will meet for the first time on November 1st, so a couple weeks away before we'll get a good indication. have to imagine Big Ben will be back in the fold for the Steelers at that point. Paint another team that really impressed you over the weekend? Uh,
2: I guess another team that did impress me was the Carolina Panthers, going back to them once again. Cam Newton, just a huge, huge game, and you rarely see a team that goes into Seattle and wins. But... They did it with a minus two in turnover differential. Two huge end-of-the-game drives from Cam Newton he put together. 80-yard drives on both. Uh, so Carolina, once again, very, very impressive. 5-0 and 0 now in for all intents and purposes, uh, our under-season wins is
1: done. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that ticket's officially dead and buried. Two questions I have for you, Payne, and obviously we're not a radio show here meant to create our hot takes, so to speak, but Cam Newton, a viable contender right now for NFL MVP in your mind, number one. And number two, if you're starting a franchise at this point, can you make a serious claim that Cam Newton is the better franchise quarterback than Andrew Luck?
2: Absolutely the MVP right now. Not even close. Not even in question. This Carolina team doesn't have much talent at all. Um, and that's definitely a hot take <laughs> on, I just, on that. You know but what? At I least, just wanted to throw least, something you know, out you know, from a leadership standpoint everything I else. I I think the the answer is, is in that question. You even being able to propose that question and not sound like, oh, my God, this is nuts, um, tells you all you need to know about what Cam Newton's doing this year, and that he's definitely right up there um, with Andrew Luck. Neither guy really has a great supporting cast. So it's definitely a question that's worth asking now, um, and that definitely tells you all you need to know about Cam Newton.
1: Yeah, I wonder where his potential can really take him at this point. I mean, people are so critical of his maturity and everything else, and you watch him take command, of course. We'll get a great opportunity to see Carolina on the national stage on Sunday night when they play host to the Philadelphia Eagles. I wish he Uh, was mic'd up. Don't you guys wish he was mic'd up for that final drive? Because he ran right over to the Seahawks fans and started jawing at them. All of them. (laughs) That's the guy needs to be mic'd up in that situation.
2: Absolutely, I agree. We talked about this. It's the clutch gene. For him, you know, some guys have it and some guys don't. You either have it or you don't. Cam definitely does. I'm not going to say he's as accurate as, you know, Andrew Luck or he's, you know, a better pure passer, but this guy is willing to take shots down the field and he definitely is the guy under crisis.
1: Uh, I burned burn more money trying to fade Cam Newton while he was quarterback at Auburn than, than I care to recount on this particular podcast with him marching down the field late in games, whether it was to get covers or what have you. So definitely know this is a guy in the past who's had plenty of success burning my money at the window. Paying two quarterbacks that impressed me. Uh, I'm going to go with Philip Rivers, breaking a Chargers record for passing yards in a game and for completions. Uh, Mike McCoy and company had an outstanding game plan, one that gave the Chargers a chance to win in Lambeau, something a lot of teams haven't even been close to doing you look at him out, out gaining the Packers with a pretty substantial edge 32 first downs and what they did that they couldn't do on Monday night in their loss to the Steelers was protect Rivers I mean they gave him an inordinate amount of time wasn't sacked in the first half I believe he went down a couple times and they realized they can't run the football right now with that offensive line the way it looks and I really believe if Keenan Allen doesn't exit that game with a hip injury well we're potentially talking about San Diego winning that thing outright at Lambeau as a double digit dog.
2: Yeah, there's no question about it. It was a great game plan. It's a kind of a game plan that we've seen employed when they made a couple of their playoff runs. It's kind of let the clock go down, use the short passing game screens, dump offs to the wide receiver as your run game, as we see so many teams do now. Uh, this is a Packers team, though, in general, that we're going to have serious question marks about. I don't think there's any professional better that values this Packers defense um, as great as the numbers are currently dictating. So that's going to be something to look uh, to moving forward we know this is a tough place to play we know how good the packers are and yet how many weeks in a row now have we (laughs) have professionals faded this team um, on the road so it'll be interesting to see
1: uh, it'll be real fascinating when we talk about the Packers in two weeks uh, when they go into Invesco Field undefeated to take on the Denver Broncos. And not to get too far ahead of ourselves, the look-ahead line for that number, as far as the Westgate Superbook was concerned, it looked like the Packers were going to be a three-point road favorite. So something to keep in mind, uh, but a game well on down the tracks. Payne, as we know, if there's teams that impressed us, there have to be teams that truly disappointed over the weekend. I'm going to give you the honors and lead off with this particular category.
2: Uh, I think it's an easy choice. It's Buffalo. It's the defense. This is a game that we stayed away from, and I don't want to blame E.J. Manuel. He was able to definitely move the offense a little bit, but this is kind of a more in-general thing with Rex Ryan and his defense. The pieces were in place. Uh, The defense finished number two in efficiency last year. Number three in yards per play allowed. Your first pick this year was defense, and right now you're not even a top ten unit in yards per play allowed or defensive efficiency. That is the real issue with this team right now. You bring in this guy, you think he's a guru, he's got all these blitz packages, the defense is going to take that next step. Rex Ryan, big question marks, now a below 500 lifetime coach. Serious question marks with Buffalo in that defense right now.
1: I think this is a team clearly in disarray early in the season. They looked very impressive against the Colts week one. Uh, And I haven't been able to figure out an identity. It better come quickly. And piggybacking on that, I'm going to go with overall teams going to London. I know we talked about it in the podcast. uh, And one of my colleagues at Sportsline.com said, Did a little bit of digging. Since 2012, teams, if you faded them the week before they go to London, you'd be 13-2-1 against the spread. Of course, Jacksonville didn't fare much better. I'm not sure what that fourth-quarter effort was against the Houston Texans. So the distraction may be real, and we'll have one more opportunity to try and look at teams that have the London trip on deck, maybe identify a little bit of value there. And while you gave credit to Carolina for their win, I'm going to go glass half-full, empty, excuse me, glass half-full, on the Seattle Seahawks. Get them. Get them. They were. They relinquish a lead late in a football game, and a defense that's supposed to be the strength of your football team lets you down. I know Bobby Wagner didn't play, and by all accounts, he is the leader of that particular stop unit. But at the same time, the Seahawks defense, you know, they're almost, I don't want to say they're getting a free pass, because everyone wants to talk about Russell Wilson getting sacked 26 times and the issues on the offensive line. But if you're going to be a top-tier defense, you need to make stops. And apparently, losing a defensive coordinator has had a huge impact on the Legion of Boom.
2: Yeah, no question. I mean, we see what Dan Quinn is doing in Atlanta. Again, we talked about the Seattle defense. They have relinquished fourth-quarter leads since that Super Bowl a year ago. Um, Just not able to hold on to leads. And this was, to me, the most concerning one. I know Wagner's out, but you're at home. The 12th man's there. It's not like your offense failed you and put you in a miserable spot with a turnover or the special teams allowed a long return. These were back-to-back 80-yard drives right down your ass, and there's no other way to put it. Um, So you want to talk about being the Legion of Boom. Uh, you basically uh, got punched in the mouth there at home. So this is a a tough thing to swallow. Seattle, we knew they would be down. We thought the issues were on offense. They finally get Jamie Graham involved, and it's the defense that lets them down once again.
1: Yeah, and I'm going to go one other team that disappointed me, or one specific play. I won't even call it an overall team effort. I'm still trying to figure out what the hell the Indianapolis Colts were doing. Uh, on their special team's play for a Stanford guy and Griff Whalen. I mean, they clearly <laughs> appeared out of sync. That almost cost them the cover before they were able to get in the back door and pretty much save every bookmaker's bacon from here to Curacao.
2: Yeah, that was a very interesting play. Um, you know, Stanford education might not be what it once was. Uh, <laughs> you don't it's really... Not, I mean,
1: it's apparently, it's not like going to Florida State, I'll say that much, buddy. <laughs>
2: It, uh, you know, obviously they were trying a little trick there, trying to draw them off sides with something that looked foreign. Uh, But Bill Belichick, again, was well-prepared for that. He had three guys lining up over the ball. And this is just, I would take more praise towards Bill Belichick just having his guys always prepared. It seems to be something we say ad nauseum, but uh, I would give the Patriots a little more credit there than the Colts uh, having a brain fart. The Colts' offense, though, in the second half, Just non-existent, really, to start that third quarter. Uh, There's adjustments made defensively that really stymied that offense.
1: Yeah, and it looked like Andrew Luck early in the game. They had a perfect game plan the opening drive, getting the ball out of his hand quickly to playmakers in space. Later in the game, as the pressure started to mount, he seemed to sit there in the pocket trying to do too much, and the pressure eventually got to him. Uh, As I mentioned, a very interesting finish when you talk about a backdoor cover, a blocked extra point that allows Patriots backers chasing some of their uh, halftime wagers to lay the seven and end up getting to the window with a profitable type scenario. Just to reset things for everybody before we switch gears a little bit, the man on the other end of the line, Pain Insider. Follow him on Twitter at Pain Insider. I'm Todd Furman. And remember, if you're not already subscribed to this podcast, we don't know what you've been doing all season long, SoundCloud, iTunes, or visit us at toddstake.com. And if the Four straight underdogs that won and covered to close the end of the day. There are plenty of great deals. Reload and for new. Members at BetOnline encourage you to check those out. Use the promo code BTB50, and you can get off and running as we approach the near midpoint of the NFL season. And Payne, like we do each and every Monday, uh, we take a look at some of the potential market overreactions based on one week's worth of results. And I guess it makes a good place to start Thursday night, the Seahawks, now the last place Seattle Seahawks in the NFC West. They would have been a six-point favorite at the Westgate Superbook had we not seen those games go into the uh, win-loss column, you see Seattle open a little bit shorter, as low as four. Offshore number has since come up. They're five a five-and-a-half point favorite at BetOnline. Total of 41 and a half for their midweek clash in Northern California against the 49ers. Yeah, uh,
2: that probably wasn't a look headline they got wrong. <laughs> so I would expect that to, you know, it's, it's trending in the right direction. Forwards, I think, a little short there. This is a Seattle team that uh, definitely has success against San Francisco. Uh, we know Seattle's had some issues in the secondary, not sure San Francisco will be able to exploit that, but we will get into that game in greater detail on Thursday.
1: Yeah, we'll have plenty of chance to preview that. Hopefully we can have the same success in that showdown as we did last Thursday. I hope, you know, hopefully, every listener out there was able to cash his relative ease on the Saints as is a live home underdog. We go through the rest of the board. Browns, Rams currently on the board. Number looks pretty similar to what it would have been. Look ahead, line four and a half. It's exactly what Bet Online is hanging for that particular contest. But Houston-Miami, a huge move here. The Dolphins, one-and-a-half point chalk over the Texans on the look-ahead number. Uh, This price actually opened at three and is ballooned out to four-and-a-half. Are we believing that the Dolphins are for real based on one week's or the results under Dan Campbell-Payne?
2: Certainly tough to jump in now after that performance. Uh, Houston looks like they're a little bit better, obviously, with Hoyer under center. Uh, But it was a win against Jacksonville. I thought three was a short open here. I really did. Um, I think Miami just had a really, really, I mean, one and a half, kind of a, a bad number. So this look ahead line for me, uh, not a great gauge. I even kind of talked to you a little bit. I thought three was a, a bad open, um, and I think we're looking at probably the right price here at, at four and a half, maybe even four was the right number.
1: Jets, Patriots, look ahead, number nine and a half. You see the market open up at the exact same spot. A little bit surprised the Patriots remain this heavy a favorite, given how good the Jets looked in their win, at least in the second half dispatching the Redskins over the weekend.
2: Yes, certainly uh, an interesting number there. Not sure how long
1: tens will last. Uh, <laughs> but. We, can read between, we can read between the lines. We've gotten good at that over the uh, year and a half that the Bet the Board podcast has been on the air.
2: Yeah, um, I mean, it's obviously a tough place to play. Uh, Fitzpatrick, you know, going to have to uh, stay away from the mistakes. But it looks like Ivory has established himself with a very, very big, big presence, uh, really allowing that Jets offense and Fitzpatrick to kind of be able to pass the ball around a little bit. Uh, Tends a pretty steep number there.
1: Falcons on the road, a three on the look-ahead line. They're through the key number out to three and a half. Of course, the big concern here, the health of Marcus Mariota for the Tennessee Titans. But Atlanta going on the road, playing on natural grass uh, over a field goal favorite. Yeah,
2: I would be interested to see who the quarterback here is. I would probably, and we've talked about this a lot, uh, I would like to see Mariota announced out. Um, and let this line climb as high as possible and look to take Tennessee as a home dog. If I could get five and a half, six, we'll see how how big the overreaction is uh, without Marcus Mariota. Uh, That was a game as I was watching just this past week, and I'm thinking as a Dolphins backer here, man, I hope they don't put Mettenberger in there. I'd love to see a Mariota without his legs uh, try to operate a comeback here. There was really no sweat at that point at all. Pretty shocked they didn't go back to Mettenberger there at halftime.
1: Yeah, I mean, it uh, did really didn't make a whole lot of sense, and we talked about earlier in the year, Mariota probably exceeded expectations thus far, uh, but we said that the Titans in the short term probably would get a bump by starting their backup quarterback, given what we saw from Zach Mettenberger. New Orleans and Indianapolis, the Colts, would have been a 6.5-point favorite before this weekend's results, and now you're looking at the Colts. Uh, Five-point pretty much consensus offshore, five at Bet online, some halfs out here in the desert, though.
2: <laughs> this is probably uh a game where Indianapolis does get healthy. Uh shockingly, looking at this, I'm I'm an old school guy that looks dog and under a lot of times. Uh this over kind of injury. You're
1: not You're Wait a second, hold on a second here. There's no way you're playing this game over 52. I I'll, <laughs> I'll make a bet right now that we don't hear about it comes Thursday you're going to have a ticket in your portfolio with an over ticket in this one.
2: You're most likely right. I probably will not end up betting it, but that's the way I lean. And when I lean over, uh, it's probably a gem.
1: (laughs) Uh, So I would say I had to call your bluff because I know we talked about it in great detail, not, of course, on the podcast, but on Friday during our weekly call about the Texans and Jaguars probably making the most sense for an over. And the game really looks like a dead shot under for three quarters. But as we've seen in the NFL, a game is never under until it's officially over.
2: Yep, no doubt about that. So uh, we'll see where this line goes. But uh, to me, that line stands out to me as being just a touch short.
1: Uh, And last but not least, the Monday nighter, Arizona, a a 7.5-point favorite in the market. Uh, As we look at things right now, look-ahead number here, they were a seven-point shock against the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, I'm really not sure what to make of the Ravens. I wanted to put them on the most disappointing list for their performance against the 49ers, but I'm beginning to sound like a broken record in regard to what John Harbaugh's team is doing week in, week out.
2: Yeah, I just think they're undermanned right now. I think they're uh, not a very good football team. It's tough to say. With an organization like this, uh, from top to bottom, just a well-oiled machine, it's kind of how you want your organizations to be run. Arizona, though, this is a team that I am not as high on as most people. Uh, Carson Palmer, he can definitely move an offense, but it seems like he misses a couple throws in the clutch. Uh, The defense, I think they're good, but I don't think they're great. I think they definitely allow some some yards. Uh, And when you look at the offense, I know it's performing well, but when you look at these weapons, Fitzgerald, how old is the guy, Chris Johnson, how long is that going to last? John Brown looks like he's emerging a little bit. They're going to get Floyd you know, kind of implemented back into the system, but there's just not a ton of talent, I don't think, on this Arizona team. Uh, I just think Bruce Arians is that good. I really do. Uh, this would be a tough, tough game for me. It seems easy to lay the points. I think Arizona definitely makes for one of the best teaser legs this week.
1: Anything to be said about the Mark Trussman curse? We joked about it in week two. <laughs> I think it's real. Nobody can run the ball under Mark Trussman. I mean, I'm not really sure what to to make of the Ravens at this point, honestly. I mean, we can say what we want about Tressman, Sam, and the offensive ineptitude, but I really think it boils down to some of their defensive injuries and just their inability to get off the field. I mean, Colin Kaepernick had an inordinate amount of time uh, and as we've seen in the NFL, a very average passing quarterback can look like he's Joe Montana when he's not under pressure and you saw broken coverage throughout the game for the Ravens. Torrey Smith looked like he was playing as a man possessed against his old mates, Uh, but I think this Ravens defense probably a lot more to blame than what the the offense has done thus far?
2: No doubt about it. Uh, the defense has some issues. They obviously have a ton of injuries. Uh, and I guess Sam is correct with that. If you can't run the ball, that's kind of the one help to a bad defense. Maintaining possession, running the ball, keeping your defense on the sidelines. We saw what Dallas did a year ago with that. Uh, but if you can't run the ball, it's just going to magnify the issues you have on defense.
1: Well, I can tell you two teams that won't have issues magnified and probably one of the more fascinating Monday night games that we've had in recent weeks, especially given the market movement. Uh, While we've just been on this podcast, Philadelphia, a a three-and-a-half-point home favorite, playing host to the New York Football Giants. Total on this game sits at 51 at Online. Payne, I was pretty clear to you in my feelings. I thought there was only one way to go in this game. Clearly the market disagrees with me, uh, but I feel like I'm going to have to jump in at a much better price with a potential chance to buy the Eagles down to three. It's a lot of public support thus far. Have to do some digging and find out what groups may be on the dog, but Philadelphia number got as high as five and a half. We're now looking at them a touch over a field goal, three and a half of this divisional showdown against the New York Giants.
2: Yeah, this is really one of the tougher games to break down. We don't really know what the Giants are. Could they be five and zero? Absolutely. Are we buying the Eagles at a price point now at three and a half? that you know, we kind of seen them get going the last two weeks. Is that the team that we're going to get tonight? Is that the team that most professionals were going over their win total, investing in Super Bowl futures? So that's the question mark here. This number was definitely a touch inflated. My number had it, uh, Giants plus three, minus 20. So we're kind of trending in that direction. But when you look at all the elements, um, for me, the side would have been Philadelphia. Again, have to do some digging there. Could there be some points scored in here? I think this is the question. Both teams, top five in pace, but both defenses overachieving at this point. You're looking at an Eagles defense at this point. that's just fantastic. Um, We have them ranked seventh in defensive efficiency. The Giants, we thought that would be a bottom feeder uh, when it came to defense. They're an above-average defense. Uh, I think the question here is when you're looking at this total, both quarterbacks have a ton of time to throw the ball neither defense is getting a ton of pressure that's what would kind of scare me going under this total even though we've talked about how good the defenses have been uh, so that's going to be something that probably keeps me off this under especially as it ticks out to that key number 51.
1: I want to ask you about the injury concerns we know about the Giants I would assume this kind of money coming in to support them Odell Beckham Jr. listed as questionable all week with some lingering injuries probably going to be in the mix but uh, Amukamara uh, in the secondary for the Giants, the health of John Beeson. Are we led to believe that those guys may actually try and give it a go, and that's part of the reason this number has come crashing down?
2: Well, I think at five and a half, there's definitely some sharp money on there. Then you compile that with this being the public dog, and then you take that one step further. Beckham Jr., Reuben Randall, John Beeson, they all traveled. Um, Beckham Jr. and Reuben Randall, everything indicated that they were going to try and give it a go. Uh, the extra day certainly helps being on Monday night, but that's the question mark. Just because they're going to try and give it a go, how healthy are they going to be? Hamstring injury, we see it. We, I mean, just because you're going to go out there and give it a go, at any point, you know, it could reoccur. Um, so I think you're going to. It's just a compiling of of everything. It's the public dog. Both guys appear like they're going to try to give it a go and they're going to give it a going to be out there tonight. Um, but for me, if I could lay three with Philadelphia. Uh, That's the way I would look here. It'll be interesting to see if it gets that low um, or we can get a cheap buy, but I I still like Philadelphia as the side here uh, at three if I can get it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would echo those same sentiments. That's exactly what I'll be looking to do, trying to get the best and most affordable price on Philadelphia now at minus minus a field goal. I know market entry always so key, so hopefully folks are able to wait this one out. Some trends of note in this particular game, the Giants – have struggled against the Eagles three and eleven straight up and three and eleven against the spread the last fourteen times these two teams have met. but we know the giants. they are road tested eight and two against the spread, their last ten games on the highway during the month of october and it 's kind of been a role they 've thrived in as we look at this game. But for me, it's definitely the Eagles, and I know I'll I'll take heat one way or the other, uh, especially as someone who claims to be a Giants fan, at least in theory when my money isn't against them. But I think Philadelphia gets back to 500, and they do so in a healthy way. Sam Bradford continues to shake off that rust. I like the Eagles quite a bit in tonight's Monday night game.
2: Yeah, I will not disagree with you. And again, at three, definitely makes some sense. Uh, We know what the Giants do on the road, so that, that definitely makes things tough. But for me, there's only one way to look. It's lay it or don't play it. And the key to this being at three. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and uh, just some uh, news and notes there As far as some of the bet percentages You referred to it, them being a public dog Our friends at Sports Insight Showing about a 65-35 split On the spread as the number currently sits And a money line split of about 76% Coming in on the Giants So books getting four dogs to come in to close Sunday Of NFL Week 6 I know they'll be rooting for the favorite In this particular spot As apparently some of our Bet the Board listeners Will be if they're going to follow our advice But for Pain Insider Remember, follow him on Twitter, at Insider. Sign up for our Bet the Board podcast, SoundCloud, iTunes, or visit us at Toddstake.com. I'm Todd Furman. You can follow me on Twitter, at Todd Furman. Best of luck Monday night with the Eagles-Giants game. We'll be back Thursday to break down the Seahawks and 49ers in great detail and talk about the attractive Week 7 slate. In the meantime, though, best of luck, and we'll see you at the window.